I love to preach. Y'all know that? Did y'all ever figure that out? I love to share the Word of God. I mean, I love to dig into the Word. I love what it teaches. You know what blesses me? One of the, if you want to know what blesses me a whole bunch as a pastor or as a preacher, it's when I'm in Bible studies or uh, somebody calls me or texts me or I'm counseling with somebody and they say, well, you know, Pastor, when you said such and such about that, it meant so much to me. And I, I, I figured out over the years people actually do listen. Uh, people understand that they're, they're beginning to understand more and more about the Word of God. And I just attribute that to the Holy Spirit teaching because He does teach us. When the Word goes forth, if it's just the Word and the Holy Spirit's not joined together with the Word and taking it to you, then it's just words. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Uh, it's kind of an unusual title, I have to admit. It's called Irrigating. I had to have a, an eye for spring, you know, so I've got an eye. But this came about very honestly by an article I read in the newspaper. And I think I've shared with you some about it, but I'll share with you a little bit more. You, how many of you ever read the newspaper? Old people that still read print papers. Okay. Or digital, but you know, there's there's always a, a Sunday, and she wrote another one this Sunday. There's always a Sunday uh, article by Allison Watkins, and she's no kin to me. She's very smart, so she probably could be down the line. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> Allison Watkins writes this. It's about always about gardening, and, and so she writes this article, and it just stuck with me. I took it, I took it, and I kept that newspaper, and I brought it to work with me, and I just would read it. And here's what the article said: You know, after the big freeze that we had, this winter storm like we don't normally have, like in a hundred years. She wrote this. She said, uh, here's some tips for spring planting. First, always remember to water in new plants by hand. Don't rely on irrigation systems to keep brand new plants healthy. They don't have established root systems. New plants will need to be checked daily and watered with a hose when needed, most likely every few days. So the Lord taught me a whole bunch. He said, go to the Word and check this out because it's very true. What, what Allison Watkins, Watkins is writing for our natural plants to grow. How many of you bought new plants and you've been planting new plants because a lot of yours are dead? Man, we had, I'd have a guy come and cut down trees and dig them up because I had so many things that were dead in my yard. I mean, it was a mess. And now it looks beautiful again because we've got new plants and I've been planting new flowers and uh, bougainvilleas. We, like, we, we just like plants. We like the color. And we had the Samarillas plant that just blooms once a year. And it's blooming right now. It's beautiful. It just, just gets way up there. And, and we were like propping it up yesterday because it's so tall. It's starting to bend over. But we love, we love the color. We love spring. We love uh, the plants. So, and so as I'm reading this article, and it says irrigation isn't the best way. I thought about irrigating versus hand watering. Now, that's a better title for the sermon. Irrigation or irrigating versus hand watering. Okay, now I'll show you what I mean by that as we get into the message. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 13. We're going to read in the Passion Translation. I'm going to read all nine, these whole nine verses, then we'll talk about it. Uh, it says, Later that day, Jesus left the house and sat by the lake shore to teach the people. Soon there were so many people, say so many people, <laughs> surrounding him that he had to teach sitting in a boat while the large crowd stood on the shore. And he taught them many things by using stories, parables to illustrate spiritual truths. Saying, consider this, there was a farmer who went out to sow seeds. Many of y'all have heard this parable. As he cast his seeds, some fell along the beaten path, and the birds came and ate them, and others fell into the gravel that had no topsoil, and they quickly shot up. But when the days grew hot, they were scorched and withered because they had insufficient roots. 
Others fell among the thorns, so that when they sprouted, the thorns choked them. But other seeds fell on good, rich soil that kept producing a good harvest. Some yielded 30, some 60, some even 100 times as much as he planted. If you're able to understand this, then you need to respond. So what I want to do is set the table for you this morning is that what we're doing this morning is irrigating. We're scattering seeds. The, word, the, the seeds are the word of God. Irrigating is the word of God, the Holy Spirit. It's scattering. Y'all understand that? When you have a large field, it's, it's easier to irrigate a large field than try to hand water. Have you ever tried to go out to a 100-acre farm and hand water it with a can? It's just not going to happen, right? You want to irrigate it if you can, if you've got enough water. I visited with Jerry Chitsey this week about water and irrigating his field. He said for them it's, it's, dif- it's a difficult thing to irrigate because they don't have that much water in the, under the ground that they can pump it out and actually irrigate with. So he said we just depend on rain, <laughs> which is a good thing. So what I'm doing this morning, in a sense, is what, see, Jesus said there was a, so many people there that he had to get in a boat and teach. So he was going to scatter a lot of seeds and irrigate a lot of, of, of people, so to speak, plants, so to speak, and it was going to fall on different ears, okay? Y'all understand where I'm talking about? This is, this is Sunday morning irrigation time. Verse 18. He goes, just skips on down, and he, he actually tells them what this, this parable meant. Verse 18, now you are ready to hear the explanation of the parable of the sower. What was sown along the path represents the one who listens to the message of the kingdom but doesn't understand it. The adversary, that's the devil, he, he comes and he snatches away what was sown into the heart. So the first thing you need to know that, is that some hear the word of God this morning, but it doesn't make sense to you. There are some of you here this morning that just possibly, as well as I'm going to try to describe and explain this, you're, you're not going to be able to understand what, what, what's coming out of my mouth. You're not, this is not going to make sense to you. Okay? That's what he's saying here. He said, I'm preaching, I'm scattering seeds, but some people are just don't get it because the enemy, he is ready to snatch the word out of you. Some of you will actually get some of the word today, but as soon as the enemy starts speaking into your ear, you're, you stop listening to me. Okay? That's what happens. That's what happens. Verse 20. The one sown on gravel represents the person who gladly hears the kingdom message, but his experience remains shallow. Shortly after he hears it, troubles and persecutions come because of the kingdom message he's received. Then he quickly falls away, for the truth didn't sink deeply into his heart. So the second group, the second type of soil that Jesus was talking about here, he says, some hear the word of God. Some of you are going to hear the word of God this morning and go, wow, man, that was a good message for so-and-so. Or that was a good message. That made a lot of sense. But that's about as far as it goes because there's no application once you leave the building. You just hear the word. You, you, you may even talk about it at lunch. Well, that was a good word, but nothing has changed in your life. Nothing has been applied by the word of God. The seeds that were sown, the water that's been watered here today, some of you will leave here today and nothing's going to change in your life. And, and I, man, that hurts. It hurts and grieves the Holy Spirit. Then verse 22, the one who sows among thorns represents one who receives the message, but all of life's busy distractions, his divided heart, and his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the kingdom message, and it becomes fruitless. Some of you hear the word of God this morning. Your mind is somewhere else. 
Some of you, you're, you, you've got a business decision you're working on or a business plan you're working on. You're thinking about how you're going to make money. You're thinking about your bank account. You're thinking about this problem. You're thinking about that problem. And man, you're divided today and you're not hearing the word of God and it's not going to impact your life. He's, Jesus is saying, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm sowing, I'm irrigating and nothing's changed in three groups of people. I've heard Bill Johnson even say, he said, I, I can preach the word. Man, the word's going forth in power to one person, but the next person sitting next to them, they're checked out. Look at your neighbor and say, check back in. Oh, oh I'm, must me. I'm supposed to do the check-in on the app. Some, some of you check in on your app. You say, I'm at Freedom Fellowship, and that's about as far as the check-in goes. I don't know, you might be doing just to impress your friends that I'm in church today. But the thing is, are you checked in with the Holy Spirit this morning? Are you checked in with the Word of God this morning? Oh, but Pastor, you don't know how much I've got coming at me this next week. You don't know, you don't know. You, and listen, you don't know what i got coming at me either. But God's told us to get in the Word, hear the Word, let it apply and make a difference in our life. Verse 23, this is it. This is who I'm praying today. I'm going to prophesy. This is we're all falling under the fourth category. Okay? But what was sown on good, rich soil? Say, I'm good. I'm good. I'm rich soil. I'm rich soil. It represents the one who hears and fully embraces. Say, embraces. Embraces the message of the kingdom. Their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as was sown. So some of you hear the word of God this morning. So I won't have to pull it out of that box. Some of you hear the word this morning, man, you came with expectation. You have come, you come eager like, man, I can't wait to hear what the preacher's got to say today. Because he's been been praying and asking the Lord what the word word is for us today as a people. Amen? Amen? But some of you didn't come that way, but right now you can change your mind. You can change your thinking right now. So right now in Jesus' name, Father, I ask that you transform our minds by the word of God. That we're receptive. We are good soil. We're going to receive the word today. We're going to apply the word today because we don't want to go back and do nothing in the kingdom of God. We want to be workers in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. So today I'm a farmer. I'm sowing seeds among a large field. I'm irrigating a field so I can cover a large area. And you're all plants. Your plants. Let's just say your corn, because corn has ears. Okay? I'm sowing seed today. And he says, he, he that has ears, I'll let them hear. So we're sowing seeds today in, in a large fashion, and, and I pray that it's not bouncing off, it's not going somewhere it's where it's just useless, and the enemy's grabbing it and stealing it and doing away with it. That the, the word of God will take root in your hearts today. Everybody here is getting the same amount of water, right? I want you to look around at the plants. You're all plants, so look around. Maybe you're not all corn. Corny, but not corn. We are a diverse group. Look around. We're a diverse group of people. Man, we're every size and shape and color. Languages. Personalities. 
we're, this is an eclectic bunch of people. And by that I mean we're, we're diverse, multicultural, different backgrounds. Some of you came from different churches, different denominations. Some of you came from no church whatsoever. Some of you had good parents. Some of you didn't have good parents. Some of you had a horrible upbringing. Some of you had a great upbringing and everywhere in between. And God's going to take all these plants and he's going to make us beautiful in this field of faith today. Amen? Amen. But here's the thing. This is where I want to get to today. And we won't be long because I know y'all have got... Mother's Day lunch prepared, and the women have already got the roses. I had which one they want. <laughs> but when you go back to that article, Allison says, but there are some plants, the new plants, that need particularly hand-watering. They need individual attention. Some of you in this room today, some of you got the word, you started growing, you started pursuing Man, you've just grown and grown and grown and grown and fruit's coming. You're bringing people with you. People are getting saved. And some of you, though, you're stuck and you're just like, I, I need help. I need help. I need, I need, would somebody get a watering can and go water that one person that needs that individual care? Because we're not all the same. We don't all, we don't all learn at the same level. Some of you are more mature than others. Some of you are very immature baby plants. And some of you are like mature, growing up trees. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is where I believe Paul, Paul had established his church in Corinth. And now Corinth was a huge area, highly populated, diverse cultures. And when these people came together, they came with all their baggage, all their false gods that they had to get rid of. They were a diverse people, kind of like we are here today, a diverse people. And Paul had to address the Corinth, the Corinth church, the church of Corinth. And you know what he first he said? Man, you're just a bunch of baby Christians. You're just a bunch of carnal Christians. Now, what does it mean by a carnal Christian? It means a worldly Christian. He's talking about some of these soils we're talking about. Some people, they're just shallow, but they got Jesus, but it's just shallow. They haven't, they haven't matured. They haven't grown as plants. Okay? Y'all following me? So 1 Corinthians 3, chapter 3, I'm going to begin at verse 1. This is Paul speaking to the church. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, I was with you. When I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people, for you're still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you're immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with the solid food of more advanced teachings, because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready to be fed solid food, for you're living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Now, he's talking to Christians here. Understand that. He's talking to baby Christians. Let me ask you something this morning. Are you still struggling with the same old, same old, same old sins over and over and over and over? Are you still struggling and have that constant battle of your flesh? Is it always, are you satisfied with that kind of a walk? See, if you're still struggling with the same thing you struggled with the day you got saved and you've been saved a, a year or two or three or whatever and you're still struggling with the same old, same old things and you haven't mastered that or overcome it by the power and the blood of Jesus, by the word of God, if you haven't overcome it, you're still a baby Christian. Did you know you can be a Christian for 50 years and still be a baby? That's not normal, is it? Most of the time when you get older, you're supposed to grow up. But we have Christians that are still in the crib, that have been, been in the crib almost all of their life because they haven't been willing to grow or they haven't had anybody to water them, to train them, to teach them, to disciple them. Or maybe they haven't even had the will to do it. And they need somebody to come alongside them. That's you and me. 
and you can't get it on Sunday morning. Oh, but pastor, I get all I need on Sunday morning. No, you do not. That's like saying you're going to eat one meal a week and you'll be okay. You'll die. You know what? All the people that are clapping are the people that come on Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday. You know, huh? the people that aren't clapping are going, uh-oh. <laughs> Shoot. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, it's like attending a large school. We, t- we attended Central High School, Mary Lou and I. We gra- graduated in 1971. Don't even start figuring, but man, we're almost 50 years away from Whoo! 50 years. I remember, I don't know why I always remember this, but there were 729 graduates in our senior class. Some of you went to big school. How many of y'all went to a large school? So you got irrigated. Got a lot of seeds sown. How many of you went to a small school? Had more individual attention, right? Potter's Hand, there's no more than 10 students per, per teacher. I love that because they get more individual attention. But see, we were thrown in with a whole lot of them. We had big classes, big classes. There were no 10, I mean, like 30, 40, 50 kids in a class because that's just how it happened to be. And see, that's the way so many people are in church. They, they want to be tutored. They want to be in the small class, but all they get is the Sunday morning experience. They get the 45-minute sermon. You know, a lot of churches, 18 minutes is the max. 18 minutes. And people, because they say, well, you know, the attention span of an adult is no longer than that. And I just say baloney, you know, or in the Greek, balagna, right? That's an oldie but a goodie. Are you satisfied with your walk today? Are you satisfied with your maturity level? Are you satisfied with your growth? I hope not. Even if you are mature, I hope you're not satisfied with it. Romans 12, 1, 2, we just read this one last week. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is what? Your reasonable service. Reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what he's requiring of us as our reasonable service. I've told you this before. I wasn't a great student in high school. I loved elementary school. My, my best years were the first through the sixth. <laughs> I excelled. I didn't know there was anything called algebra until the seventh grade. And then I became, uh, I just want to get through school. I'm going to graduate. Whatever it takes to graduate, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to get my grades, and I'm going to graduate. I want to get married. <laughs> and I did. But God didn't want us to be that kind of, have that kind of mentality just to get getting by. He doesn't want that. Paul goes on to show Im- indicators of an immature believer. 1 Corinthians 3, 3b, the second part of 3. Ask yourselves, Paul says, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Uh Uh-oh. Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? Oh, no. You know why he's asking these questions? Because it's already been told him this is what's going on in Corinth. And so this proves that you're living your life centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh, not by... Christ, but by the world, right? And behaving like unbelievers. 
That's a, isn't that a no-brainer? Don't you, how many of you seen believers acting like unbelievers? We see it all the time. It might be you. It might be me. For when you divide yourselves up in groups, a Paul group and an Apollos group, you're acting like people without the Spirit's influence. Who is Apollos really or who is Paul? Aren't we both just servants through whom you believed in, uh, on, on our message? Aren't each of us doing the ministry that the Lord has assigned to us? You say, why are you gravitating to me? Why are you gravitating to Apollos? Why are you gravitating to any man? Why are you so caught up in a man or in a personality? See, we're not supposed to be caught up in a personality. We're supposed to be caught up in the person of Jesus Christ. Churches rise and fall with the personality of the pastor or the personality of pastors or the personality of elders or personality of teachers. They rise and fall because people like this person that way and they don't like this person that way. And so if they don't like that person, but they like this one, they may stay. But if they don't, they may leave and go find another church. Paul said, what are you doing? You know, arguing over who baptized you? That's why I like Ed to baptize. That's why I like parents to baptize or husbands or wives or grandparents to baptize people. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Guys, we got to get that mentality out of the way that we compare ourselves to one another. People leave churches because they just don't like somebody. It may not be the pastor. It may just be somebody you're sitting by. Well, I can't believe a homeless person sat by me. I'm not going back to that church. You know what I say to you? Thank you, go. (laughs) Or change. Change your heart. (laughs) Ministries in the church should never be a competition. Should always complement each other. And bring glory to God. But when it gets right down to it, most people want to be pleased rather than challenged. Verse 6, I planted the church, Paul says, and Apollos came and cared for it, but it was, but it was God who caused it to grow. Amen. He's trying to rem- remind them what this thing is all about. He said, I, I, you know, I started this thing, and, and Paul has come along. He's done his part, but it's God that gets the glory. He's the one that makes it, it grow. He says, this means the one who plants is not anybody special, nor the one who waters, for God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. Amen. So if we ever start thinking we're all that in a bag of chips, we're in trouble. Anybody know where that saying came from? Subway. mm -hmm. I checked it out. I Googled it. They had a special, and it was you could get this, this, and a bag of chips, and that's where it started. You thought you thought differently, right? But when you start thinking you're it, that's when P R I D E gets in the way, and pride goes before the fall. Right? Deuteronomy 4.24, if you need to remind me, he says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, <laughs> a jealous God. He's a jealous God. You do not want to steal God's glory. All right, verse 8. Almost done. Now, the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important and on the same team. But each will be rewarded for his own work. We are co-workers with God and you are God's cultivated garden. Now, he switches from going from a garden to a house, okay? He has the liberty to do that. Jesus did that also. The house he is building. God has given me, has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder 
who lays a good foundation. Afterward, another craftsman comes and builds on it. So builders beware. Let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards. What was that? Popping your gum. Oh, my goodness. You're going to go to the principal's office. <laughs> Chewing gum in class. Gives me time to think about what I'm going to say next. Anybody ever have a house built? Anybody ever have a Is it one person that does all the work? Of course not. You've got everybody that, you have people that are specialists in doing foundations. You have people that frame. You have people that do plumbing. You have people that do the wiring. Usually it's not one person that does it all, unless it's one of those guys that's a jack of all trades and he does remodeling. They don't normally build complete homes. They need help. And God says this is the way the church is. We all need to use our gifts, how they work together to build up the body of Christ. And he said, we only have one foundation, and if we deviate from that one foundation, who is is the foundation? Jesus Christ. If we deviate from that, listen, we have a poor foundation. There will be cracks, and it will fall apart. How many of you have ever bought a house that had foundational problems? Or you went to look at a house. We went and looked at a house one time. We said, man, we love this house. And they said, well, the reason they had it sold is because it's got a lot of foundation issues. And you can see some cracks in the wall and say, okay, thank you, but no thanks. Because that's major stuff. You've got to start out with the right foundation. So Paul's, he's talking about a garden here, but then he talks about a building. So I'm thinking, well, it's like a greenhouse. We're plants in a greenhouse, and God's growing us. Amen? Amen. God's filled this church with a lot of gifted people. I am so thankful for the gifted people in this church. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're not operating your gifts, and you say, well, I don't have any gifts, it's not true. Then you're not maturing. You're not growing in your faith. Because everybody's been given a gift, at least one. We all have a gift. We all have giftings. And God's called us to stand, work together, operate in our gifts together. Somebody waters, somebody plants, somebody fertilizes, somebody weeds. You got all of that happening in a church body this big. And the greatest need in this church, I believe, and this is where I want to settle in is that we need people to sow in the lives of individuals. Mm. Some of you are not sowing into anybody's life but your own. This is not a guilt trip. This is an, a, this an, a, bringing an awareness to the body. You see, I don't know how many baptisms we've had in the last year. I know we had 125 last year. We probably had 50 already this year, at least. But why do we have all these empty seats? See, people go, wow, it's full today. No, it's not even close to full. Y'all understand that? Y'all raise your hand if there's a chair beside you that's empty. Oh, wow. We need ushers. We can't find a seat. Well, they're all over the place. This is Mother's Day. This is when everybody's supposed to show up to church. No, we did that on Resurrection Day, Pastor. (laughs) Here's the thing. We have people falling through the cracks here. That's, that's on me. It's on our staff. It's on our leadership. It's also on you. How many people, don't raise your hands, how many of you know people that used to be here all the time but you don't see anymore and 
You've not said a word to them. You've not texted them. You've not said, I'm praying for you. You've not invited them back. You've not sown. Maybe they'll come back and get irrigated again. No, they need an individual touch. They need somebody that's willing to say, we miss you. We, we need some, they need somebody to say, we care about you. We come and they get in the water. I, I know one family that joined here on a Sunday. They joined, they, come, they came, they said, Pastor, we want to be members here. I said, hallelujah, fill out this form. We want, to, want you to be a part. I have not seen them since that day. I've seen people get baptized that have never been back to this body. And, and I'm talking about that live here in San Angelo. Somewhere, somehow, we're missing something, church. But it's not just on me. It's on all of us. We all have a part to do. Paul started a church. He planted the church. He left, and he would come back and check on it. And he would say, what's going on? Well, somebody's watering, and somebody's planted, but, but we're not seeing any growth. Everybody's still a baby. I, listen, how many of you have had children? You don't want to change their diapers when they're 30. I don't. But it's going to take more than just a Sunday morning irrigation or sowing some seeds for us. to. We should, be in a, we should have been at two services three, three years ago. People are coming and they're coming and they're getting saved and baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. They're getting healed. They're getting delivered. They're getting set free. And then they're doing something. I don't know what it is, but they're not doing it here. Oh, God, so good. I love Freedom Fellowship. I love the, I love the, the teaching. I love what we're... What's, but where are you? Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir. Where are you? There's ten reasons why people quit going to church. I got out of the habit. You know, we can only blame COVID for so much. I'm tired of hearing about COVID. I'm so tired of hearing it. Well, you know, Pastor. I understand people stayed away and they had right the reasons to do it. I'm not upset with you, but I'm telling you it's time to come back. You're just not going to grow getting a seed scattered to your house on video once a week, if you even watch that. I know more and more people quit watching live stream. Have y'all noticed that? Wow, that when we first had live stream, we had 4,000 views the first Sunday when we couldn't have church here. Now it's like two or 300 people, and we don't even know if they're viewing that much of it. Are y'all feeling uncomfortable? Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> Number two, I left after I graduated from high school. Man, we're doing something wrong if our young people get in Jesus and they're filled with the Spirit of God. And then once they get their car keys or they get a girlfriend or they, they get to get out of the, under, uh, under the rule of their parents, they're not following Christ anymore. What's happened? Number three, I decided I didn't like the institutional church. Well, guess what? I decided I didn't like it either. I was fed up with religion. I don't believe we teach religion here. I believe we teach an organism of faithful followers of Jesus Christ that when we want to see him make a difference in our lives, in the lives of our community, in the lives of our family. I was hurt at the church. That's number four. 
I was so hurt. The pastor looked at me funny. The first lady didn't pray for me. Uh, 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 Sister Pam, she, she prayed too loud over me. You know? <laughs> Give me a break. You don't have somebody screaming at you at a football game. You're okay with that. The guy behind you could be obnoxious, screaming. Oh, that's okay. Hell yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Raise your voice in church. Oh no, oh no. They hurt my feelings. I'm not going back to that church. Don't be laughing because a lot of you left the church because you got your feelings hurt. And you're here. <laughs> Hallelujah. You got freedom here, right? Forgave somebody. Number five, I just couldn't find a church to meet my needs. My needs. My needs. So you came to church and it was all about you. See, we're not ever supposed to come to church because it's about us. We come to church because it's about him. You know, the early church, it was never meant to, to be an evangelistic crusade. Christians gathered together to celebrate Christ and be disciples and grow. It wasn't about let's bring all of our lost people so we can get them saved. No, it was never intended for that. That's what it's become. And there's not a problem. I don't have a problem with that because I think that's great because I know Andrew brought his brother to Jesus like an evangelist and you need to come meet, my, you need to come meet Jesus. And so you're bringing people and that's awesome. But you don't come here because we're going to do something to make you feel good and meet all your needs. Now, we do that. We, we meet needs all the time here. But that's not the reason you come to, to be a part of a fellowship. As a matter of fact, you want to come? You want to come to be a part of meeting somebody else's needs. Number six, I had a need and the church didn't meet it. Enough said. Number seven, I think this is the big one. I never felt connected in the church. A lot of people say, well, you've got to make seven friends within so many days or you'll leave the church. And people leave the church because I, nobody came and talked to me Sunday or I didn't make a friend. I've been going there while nobody notices me. And I'm going to tell you something. I, 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 I know that's wrong. We should reach out and we should be kind and friendly to one another. But I'm going to talk to you as an individual. If you want to make a friend, then you need to be a friend. Don't, don't, be trans, don't, be, don't be invisible. Because I'm telling you if, you, if you come up to people and you say, look, I'm so-and-so, I'm new here at this church, they will welcome you. They just don't know because we have so many new people. I, I still am hesitant when I come up to somebody and they say, well, how are you doing? I, I quit saying, how long are you new here? To, is this your first time? They say, no, I've been coming here six months. And I go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> or they introduce somebody, this is my dad. It is? Yeah, he's, you met him last week. <laughs> Be a friend to somebody. Reach out to touch somebody. This is an interesting one. These, this is, I Googled this, so this is real. <laughs> Bonjour. You remember... I did not give to the church. Now, this is not an... Let me just read what it says. One pastor asked a question about four families who left the church in a specific year. The total giving he found out through somebody else. I do not know what you give. Okay, I do not look at giving records. So when the pastor left 
that church, they became, no, 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 skip. The total giving of the four families was zero in the year. In other words, they weren't committed. They didn't give a dollar. They didn't give a dime to the church. And so they left the church. And you wonder why they left the church. Well, they just left the church because they didn't. They weren't committed. Weren't committed to Christ first. You know, when you give, you're not, commit, you're not giving to the church. You're giving to Christ. You're giving to God. You know, oh, they're always asking about money. No, we, we are asking you to give your life to Christ. Commit your life to Christ. Everything about you. Number nine is, I left when the pastor left. How many of you? Oh, I'm not going to ask that question. Woo. And I haven't left, so we're good. Uh, but again, that gets back to personalities. You get attached to a person instead of the person of Jesus Christ. And people leave the church because, that, that, oh, that pastor, he was so awesome. That new pastor, he can't ever measure up to that guy. Right? And the last one was, we moved and we never went back to church. Isn't that a great excuse? We just moved and we didn't go back to church. Got out of the habit. It goes back to number one. I want to finish with this. I'm amazed that we're just now at 12 o'clock because of all the baptisms and the babies. I want to tell you this from the bottom of my heart. Mary Lou and I never wanted another church. We didn't want to be another church in this city. Let me explain. Let me explain. (laughs) We had grown up in the institutional church, the denominational church. We learned many good things. We, we, learned, we gave our lives to Christ through those churches. We learned a lot of the word in those churches. But we also learned a lot of negative things in churches that we attended. Because, you know, we didn't ever want to be that same kind of mentality that other churches were. We didn't want to think, well, you can't do this, you can't do that, because it's never been done that way before. How many of you have heard that one? We never wanted to buy into what we heard every May in the churches we attended well, get ready for the summer slump. Said, <laughs> so, no, we're not partnering with that. That's just such death. You're speaking death over your church? That people are going to quit coming to church because it's summertime? That's what they tell you. That's what they say you should believe. So you're ready. You're braced for it when nobody shows up for church. Well, I don't agree with that. I think we should be packed out in the summer just like in the winter. Yeah. And we should be in two services. We never, wanted, we never would buy into that 20% of the people will do 80% of the work. That's what, that's what Pat, you, you go to pastoral school, which I didn't go to, thank God. You'll hear that, that terminology is given. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 20% of the people give 80% of the money. So that leaves the other 80% doing nothing. I don't believe in that. I believe every person here ought to be invested here and working here and serving here in some capacity. That's all the people serving. Yeah, that's you. I want to go. People that aren't serving? Mm. Listen, if you're not getting challenged, I'm not preaching the word. I want to see, I know my wife wants to see, our leadership in this church wants to see everyone reach their potential in Jesus Christ. But it's going to take more than once a week being irrigated or being sown some seeds. It's going to take all of us doing our part to mentor, to teach, to pray for, to encourage, to model, to walk alongside others, especially those who are weaker and those who need more attention. You've got to come alongside them and say, how can I help you grow? 
I don't know how that looks. We can have classes till the cows come home. It's going to come down to your individual hearts. Say, God, what would you want me to do? How can I help somebody in need? And maybe you're that person in need and you want to reach out to somebody. I'm telling you, if you're the one that's the baby Christian and you reach out to somebody, you're probably going to learn more than they're going to learn just by giving. I'm going to ask you to be open to the Holy Spirit to lead you and direct your ideas, your thoughts, your works. I'm going to ask you to believe that God can show you how to do this without me having to point it out to you or somebody else pointing it out to you. You know, every once in a while, I'll get my phone out and I go through my uh, contacts. Anybody ever do that? Yeah, I'm erasing a bunch of them. I just go through them and I go, oh, wow, I haven't seen them in a long time. Oh, and I text them. And I know it's, it's you, you're, well, you're just going to put them on the guilt trip, Pastor. I don't care, you know, because I care about them. And if they take it that way, I'm sorry, but I, I care about them. And I'll text them or I'll call them or I'll Facebook them or I'll message them. Just say, hey, guys, what's going on? Hey, y'all. And sometimes you'll hear the, the, sor- the, the, the not the sorriest excuses. I wouldn't write. Uh, you'll hear... You, Liar! <laughs> no, you'll, you'll hear some sad stories about what's going on in their life. Some heartbreaking stories about what's going on in their life. You say, if there's heartbreaking stories going on in your life, why aren't you here? That's what we're here for. We love you. We care about you. So my challenge is this morning is for everyone to get connected to get discipled, become a part of something bigger than yourself. And we do have classes. We have men's group. We have this incredible men's group on Monday night and Wednesday night. You know, Monday night there may be 10 guys there. Wednesday night there may be 12 guys there. Where are you? Where are you? Women, we have classes. Married couples, we have classes. We want to disciple you. Where are you? I am encouraging you. I'm imploring you. Don't stay a baby believer. Get plugged in. Get filled up so you can start sowing into the lives of other people. Amen? I think one of the best ways that we're going to get to this place is by fasting. I'm calling a corporate fast starting Thursday morning. Ten-day fast. Ten days before Pentecost. They went to the upper room for ten days and they sought the Lord. The word fasting, and I want to teach you just a second on it. This, I'm, going to teach, I'm going to teach all about fasting on Wednesday night. But the word fasting actually means, it doesn't mean giving up social media. It doesn't mean giving up chocolate. Which that could include chocolate. But it means giving up food. That's really all the word fasting means. We made it something else. Now, you can, you can give up food plus something. You may have television that you watch too much of or you scroll too much on your phones or whatever. It may include that, and that's fine. But here's, it's, it's going to go way beyond not having a meal. I'm going to suggest one meal a day, one meal a day if you'll fast from it. But if that's all you do, guys, if that's, you just don't go without food, and you, you'll think, well, I'm going to lose weight. This is going to be great. No. <laughs> You're going to have to replace that time with prayer or it's just a diet. Okay? But here's the bottom line. 
God is waiting for us to draw closer to him and be more intimate with him. And if it has to come through a fast, he's going to bring that awareness to you because during that time, you're going to be seeking the Lord. You're going to be, you're going to be trusting him. You're going to be listening to him. It can be meditating. It can be reading your word. It can be having some praise music on, but you're going to engage with God in a very intimate way for however many, an hour a day for 10 days. I want to tell you on the day of Pentecost, this church will be transformed. I probably won't have to even preach sermons like this anymore because y'all will be so fired up about winning the city. See, if we go to two services, here's the thing. We've already talked about this in our staff meeting. If we go to two services, we can't handle it. We don't have enough mature believers that will step in and do what they need to do. We will be spread so thin and everybody will be sworn out, and we don't want that. We want, look, as many people are here today, there are gifted people in this room today. And you are good soil, and the word has fallen upon good soil, and you've embraced it today. Say, I've embraced the word today. Would you stand? Let's pray. Can we have the ministry team? I really shouldn't have to say that. Ever since. If I just say stand, y'all come on. Okay? That's your cue. Here's your sign. Some of you, you know, you know, you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You're not serving where you're supposed to serve. You're not getting engaged. Maybe you just need somebody to encourage you this morning. This is an encouraging group right here. They will pray for you to find your place. Some of you don't know your place yet. God wants to show you your place. He's that gracious. So you come forward as we, after we pray, just step out and come. Now, the bottom line is if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the seeds were sown today, you have no excuse You have no excuse for not knowing Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for your sins. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he is interceding right now for you. If you're lost, he's praying for you right now. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to fall in love with him. He wants you to serve him. So, Father, this morning, have your way. Have your way in the hearts of your people today. He who has ears, let them hear and respond to the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.